Well, it's uh, Monday, November 8th, 2021. It's Monday. How are you this afternoon? Are you well? Thanks for finding me, as usual. It's uh, going to be a very interesting programme. Dr Pat Morrissey from Adair in County Limerick returns to the programme. He's got lots to say. You can comment via the usual channel. That's my website, richieallen.co.uk. Comment live on the menu bar. Howdy! It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host... Richie Allen. Yes, it's going to be good to reconnect with uh, Dr. Pat Morrissey. Lovely gentleman, Christian medic. That's how he describes himself. He will have lots to say about things going on in Ireland, but beyond Ireland as well. That's a bit later on. Before that, I'm going to be updating you, maybe, on the stories today and over the weekend. That's how you join in through the website to comment on any of that stuff. And... Yeah, well, we can just just get rid of the the tune and move right on. Let me give you a heads up, dear listener. There will be a phone-in show tomorrow. There'll be a phone-in tomorrow, not today, tomorrow. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Not now. Tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow, Tuesday, the 9th of November. That's a little flavour of what we'll be doing tomorrow. Playing. Well, we'll be talking to one another. That's what we'll be doing. Let me give you a quick, very quick rundown of some of the stories that we maybe won't be getting into in any great depth today, he says, even though he hasn't opened the appropriate page. Ah, there you go. Well, Barack Obama, or Uncle Tom, as he is known in certain parts of America, old Uncle Tom, it's easy to say that when you're ensconced in a studio in BBG Towers and there is no black gentleman anywhere nearby to punch me in the face. Some black people don't like white people using the term Uncle Tom or Chalk Ice. Do you know what that means, you do? I'm I'm skating on sin ice here, so I better shut up. He's been in Glasgow summoning on young people to change the world, the climate change thing. It's still going on. It goes on until this Friday. Yes. And thanks be to Jeepers, it'll end this coming Friday. Um, an inquiry has been announced or launched is probably the best way to put it, into the actions of this guy, David Fuller, this uh, hospital electrician who accessed mortuaries and did very bad things. I just It just occurred to me that quite a lot of people listen to this with their, listen to this with their children. Maybe it should have occurred to me, maybe seven years ago, you might, you might, you might be saying to yourself, <laughs> maybe, maybe, it's never too late to learn. Um, He filmed himself doing terrible things in two Kent hospital morgues over 12 years. And he admitted murdering two women in 1987. So there's going to be an inquiry into how he could get away with it. Well, inquiries cost an awful lot of money, don't they? They always want to blame somebody, don't they? 
Somebody has to be blamed. To, 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 somebody has to be blamed, or somebody has to be blamed, or we need somebody to blame for everything. Maybe the guy was very, very careful. Maybe when he was doing whatever he was doing in the mortuaries. Now he's not doing it. Let's have a conversation about what we can do to make sure that guys like him don't do stuff like that again, or even get access to hospitals. But inquiries. Maybe victims' families maybe are right to want an inquiry. I don't know. Maybe I should shut up and stick to talking about things I know something about. That'll take about two and a half minutes thereabouts. Yes. Anti-vax protests outside schools. This is very interesting because we covered this on the programme last week. The BBC is again focusing on this this afternoon. It's spoken to the Shadow Education Minister, Peter Coyle, who has called anti-vax protests ubiquitous in his constituency. And uh, they want to give schools the ability to employ fast-track exclusion zones to tackle the problem. But when you look at the BBC story on the BBC website, dear listener, the so-called anti-vaxxers seem to be well-presented, well-behaved, decent men and women. They're holding placards saying things like, there's no long-term safety data. Well, that's true. Another one says, honk for freedom. And another one says, we stand to protect children. Don't they have an absolute right to walk about holding those placards up if they genuinely believe that the jabs are a pressing concern for the health of children? Maybe they do. Maybe it's just me. Six minutes past five o'clock. My great pal Hayden Hewitt is tinkering away with the website. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm still a bit under the weather. That's okay. I might be telling you that next year. Be like one of those big department store sales in your town that never ends. Ever. We had one in Waterford City for years. Peter Francis was, was, a, was a men's clothing emporium, was Peter Francis. And there was a standing joke in Waterford for years. When, when, when Nelson Mandela was still in jail, God love him. When will Nelson Mandela get out of jail? When the Peter Francis sale ends. You know those department stores, they have never-ending sale. Anyway, look, anyway. I'll be reading your comments out as we go along. Anti-vax protests, indeed. What else is there to quickly run over before I get into the serious stuff? Uh, the Poles are concerned about a migrant breach on the Belarusian border, or the Belarusian border, depending on how you pronounce it. So they've stepped up security on the old Eastern Front, have the Poles, because they're worried about a large group of migrants trying to enter the country. Shall I go full-scale right-wing, half a racist? <laughs> I won't, because I don't have a racist bone in my body. I certainly don't have a right-wing bone in my body. But I'd love to further crack, just do a parody. Yeah, the Poles weren't too concerned when they're Cheap plumbers and cheap electricians and cheap bathroom fitters were coming to our country, were they? No, they weren't. The Baxters. <laughs> so, they've put 12,000 troops on the border. That'll deter the migrants. Get back, you sweaty bastards. Get back to where you came from, says the immigrant. Because I'm an immigrant, of course, in Blighty. You're damn right I am. Proud Irishman. 
I'm not. But anyway, like I said, I hope you had a nice weekend. Wintry old day today in Salford. And there you are. Now, from Thursday, that is the 11th of November, any care worker who hasn't been double jabbed will lose their job. You know, dear listener, I was thinking of you about an hour ago. I was thinking of you. That's a reality now, isn't it? It's a reality. The things you and I have been talking about for years and secretly prayed would never happen. You prayed to God or to Allah or to Jehovah. I prayed to Eric Cantona. The things that that we prayed wouldn't ever happen even though we knew they would. They're here now. This is a reality. Yeah. I've heard from many today and over the weekend. Most of them don't want to come on with me, at least not in advance of Thursday, which I totally understand. If this is your reality, there will always be room on this show for you. You know that. Uh, You may have seen a story on my website today. A Hull woman or a Hull-based woman. woman. (coughs) Excuse me again, I'm drinking loads of water. A woman in Hull was let go ahead of Thursday from the care home she's worked in for many years. She has concerns about long-term safety data around the jabs. The concern being, of course, there isn't any. She can't have the jab, quite right. She's every right to say that, um, because it might harm her. She's out of a job now. And she posted a very emotional video over the weekend as she had just left her place of work for the last time. This is Louise. Have a listen. Oh, that's... That's the hardest thing you've ever had to do. Say goodbye to everybody. All the... All the people that I've cared for for so long. The people I've worked with. It's been so emotional. This is so unfair. I can't believe all the bloody government is doing to us. They just don't get it. They don't understand. They think that what they're doing is to better everybody and it's not. It's, it's just not. I'm literally heartbroken and the residents in there are crying their eyes out. Oh, God. I can't do it. This is awful. <laughs> The lady is Louise Acaster. As I said, until recently, she was working at an NHS care home for 14 years and has just uh, lost her job. And there'll be many more people like Louise in the coming days. Let's get a little bit of media, as in mainstream media, reaction to, to that, to that reality. Is that on thur- Thursday, tens of thousands of workers face losing their job because of their right to to turn down the offer of medicine from the government. Listen to LBC's James O'Brien. Don't groan just yet. Can't see it happen. I cannot see come Thursday. If if the numbers that we are hearing are anything close to reality, and I've personally got no reason whatsoever to think that they might not be. Uh, I, I guess, you know, unions sometimes exaggerate volume in order to increase the power of the political point that they're trying to make. But if there are even close to 60,000 people uh, 
uh, marching out, being thrown out of work in care homes on Thursday because they haven't been vaccinated, then regardless of what you think about the vaccinations, and as you'll know if you've listened to this programme even cursorily, then you'll know that I, I think everyone should have got vaccinated and I think the people who have actively and deliver, deliberately sought to undermine the nationwide vaccine programme um, will hopefully at some point in the future have to take a very long and hard look at their own consciences. But that ship has sailed, you see. These are people who are not going to be able to get double vaccinated by Thursday. And if Sajid Javid follows through on his threat stroke promise, they will be fired. On Thursday. And if you suddenly extract 60,000 people from the care home sector on Thursday, I am terrified about what the ramifications would be. He's not terrified. O'Brien couldn't give a shit about people who reside in care homes or those who work in them. This is just a handy talking point for a piss-poor radio presenter with very little talent and no imagination whatsoever. Because if he had any imagination whatsoever, O'Brien would use his long-winded monologues, of which, by the way, he is given carte blanche to say whatever he wants, to condemn the government, the tyrannical, totalitarian, fascistic fucking government, for telling people, if you don't take the medicine on offer, we will ruin your livelihoods. We will destroy your lives humiliate you and denounce you as a bad citizen if you don't take the shit that we are telling you you should take. No imagination, O'Brien. It's an open goal for a real journalist, regardless of whether you think people are stupid to not take the jabs or whether you think they are right not to take the jabs. There is plenty of room for journalists who believe the jabs to be safe. Plenty of room for them at the same time to declare the jabs to be safe, but to also say, what the fuck is going on? This isn't Nazi Germany. Yes, I'm, I, I, I'm, I took my jab. Yes, yes. But what? You're making people redundant because they don't want it. No, there's none of that. In the media, there's just plenty of this. In, in the shortest of terms, never mind the long term, not least because we know that the care home sector is already massively depleted and massively diminished and constantly operating on shortages in the region, I think, of 100,000. Uh, always, it's another, like haulage, it's a, an industry that always operates on shortages and vacancies, but Brexit will have acted like the mother of all magnifying glasses. And <laughs> O'Brien then, then turns it around to Brexit. It's all about Brexit. Brexit is the problem. Because if you had tens and tens and tens of thousands of workers happy to, to work for piss wages from other countries, well, that's okay then. Uh, because O'Brien, you see, on a six-figure salary, and I'm sure his wife is too, as a child psychologist, O'Brien won't be sticking mummy or daddy into a local authority care home. You see? Dreadful stuff. RichieAllen.co.uk If you've got any point or points to make on any of that, if you disagree with anything I've said, do drop me a message. I will read your tweets, your messages, tweets, cheapers, as they come in. I promise you that. Yes. And I go back to what I said a few minutes ago. It's hard to accept sometimes 
that we are here now. It struck me this morning, listening to Louise Acaster. Your government has destroyed your livelihood and denounced you as a bad citizen because you won't take their medicine. And Matt Hancock, the disgraced former health secretary, a worm of a human being, this heartless, emotionless, can't keep it in his trousers, humiliates his wife and family. This man should be sued by the Advertising Standards Authority for calling himself a man in the first place. Wankock is calling for the NHS staff in, in total, all of them, to be told to get the jab before Christmas or to lose their jobs. Another hero, Hancock, writing for the Telegraph. Go and speak to some of the NHS workers who, just like Louise, don't want to have the jab because there's no long-term safety data and they don't want to play Russian roulette with their lives. I say to Hancock, go and stand in front of them and threaten their livelihoods. Tough guy. Tough guy. Hard fella. On the pages of the Telegraph. Big man. He wrote, obviously, in the Telegraph, vaccination matters most for the oldest and for the vulnerable and those who care for the vulnerable. After all, getting the vaccine isn't just to protect you, but to protect those around you who you might otherwise infect. To protect those around you who you might otherwise infect. That's how they're conditioning you, not you, because you're not stupid. Then again, the people they are conditioning are not stupid either. They're unfortunate. They're conditioning them to see themselves as biological weapons. Walking, talking, biological weapons that could kill a passerby if they brushed against them briefly, kill them with their COVID germs. He went on to say that 9 out of 10 NHS staff isn't enough. Why did he say that? Because the, the latest figures demonstrate that 9 in 10 NHS staff have had two jabs. 9 in 10. It's way more than you'd ever need. But Hancock says, and I quote, 9 in 10 isn't enough for those who work in caring roles. Protection of patients is a moral duty. Moral duty. Given the proven safety and effectiveness of vaccines in saving lives, vaccination is a moral duty too. It, uh, there's no proven safety and effectiveness of the COVID jabs. None. They haven't proven to be safe, nor have they proven to be effective. By their own admission, they don't prevent people coming down with whatever COVID is or passing it on. So he went on to say in his little Telegraph article, did Hancock, we must require vaccination for everyone who works, not just in social care, but the NHS too, and get it in place as fast as possible. Big tough guy, Matt Hancock. Writing in the pages of The Telegraph today, this is The Richie Allen Show. There's the time coming up for 20 minutes past five, Monday's programme, November 8th, 2021. This is The Bangles. The Bangles and Manic Monday. Do you know I've never played that on a Monday in my life, thinking it's a real cliche to do it. But today it was warranted. Believe you me, 
it was warranted today. It's been a mad Monday, work-wise and nothing else, just beavering away with the website here today, writing articles and trying to fill the programme for the rest of the week. Just to remind you, tomorrow I will be taking your phone calls and your Skypes on the programme for about 90 minutes, so keep that in mind for tomorrow. Manana. That's all right. Charlie says, Richie, I was discussing the next few months with my wife and we stumbled upon the idea that when the truth comes out, those stuck in the Covidian cult will have such a rude awakening that they won't be able to handle the sudden inrush of reality. Charlie goes on to say the fact that they were duped, that they've been living a lie and that because of this lie, children died unnecessarily and those they viewed as trustworthy, the NHS, etc., were lying to them. They will just not be able to handle it. Yeah, I'm channeling Jack Nicholson here, Charlie. You can't handle the truth. Yes, he says, I think we are looking at a potential mental health and mass suicide event. Oh, Charlie, don't say that, Jesus Christ. You might be right, pal, but come on. He goes on to say, it's so important to build bridges with the cult members any way you can before the House of Cards crumbles. It could save lives. Yes, build bridges. Don't fall out with people. Yes, it's not their fault. They're not stupid, stupid. They're not stupid. I've been discussing this today with people. I've discussed it for months with people. They're not stupid. No more than many of those who went to Jonestown and drank that drink and dropped stone dead. They weren't stupid either. They were brainwashed. This is depressing, but I'll read it anyway. Richie, it's Chris. I'm getting the old tin tack on Thursday. He's being sacked on Thursday. I'm a cleaner in a care home, Richie. I'm not allowed in the home from midnight on the 10th. Ah, but I can go in on Thursday as a relative or friend of a resident unjabbed. The union was useless, I have to say. I will never have the jabs. The care sector has given me work for the last 14 years as a carer, a kitchen assistant and as a cleaner. This is tyranny. Many of my colleagues think it's dreadful. What is going on? And they've all signed the new contract, taken the small pay rise and had the booster. Many have said we no longer live in a free country and we are being controlled. Chris, that's a really depressing thing to read. I don't know you, man, but I'm devastated for you and for everybody else going through it. And you're right. Colleagues saying, oh, Jesus, it's terrible, Chris. We don't agree with it as they roll up their sleeves. Unions are shit. And I'm a trade unionist. A proud trade unionist. I come from a time when unions mattered. Oh, yeah. That's Chris there. There are many more comments like that coming in. Lucy is uh, talking to us today from her sick bed. Get better soon. Lucy. Faisal says, I think it would realistically be a disaster to sack all unvaxxed care staff all of a sudden, both practically and in PR terms. It was most likely an empty threat to get as many vaxxed as possible so they could climb down from the policy saying that enough have submitted. But they haven't done that yet, Faisal. You might be right. It isn't impossible that someone from the government will announce in the next day or two, listen, we'll suspend mandating the jab for care workers. So you might be onto something. I don't know. 
there haven't been any whisperings today. Patricia says Nuremberg Code outlaws forced medical procedures, including vaxes. Any medical procedure or therapy that you don't want to participate in, you have the full, free and unprejudiced right to refuse. Period, says Patricia. Apparently, sadly, the Nuremberg Code stands for nothing, question mark. Wouldn't appear to. Paul says James O'Brien wants us all to get our shot. He does. He does. O'Brien says he's had his shot. He might have done, but we're back then to speculating about some of the placebo conversations. Sorry, we're back to speculating about some of the placebo theories. There are those who believe that very, very well-known people, and O'Brien isn't very, very well-known. I wouldn't even give him that, the bastard. But um, that, you know, people in, in the public eye wouldn't be given a real jab. There are others who believe that the rollout would make sense, it would make sense if the rollout contained 25% of placebos, and that's for everybody, to limit the injuries and the mortality, the mortalities, the fatalities. That's very good too. Nicholas says, Richie, I've said this before, but O'Brien sounds like the slimy bent copper Slater in Only Fools and Horses. Those episodes with Slater, played by Jim Broadbent, Nicola, were fan dabby dozy. They were very good. Hi, Angela. Angela says, Richie, I manage a development of retirement apartments. I'm an artist, really. Today, a resident asked my manager, why do they not mandate the jab for me? He also wants to get rid of me, and it really hurts me to know this. I don't have any care role, but I would try to save the life of someone who would treat me this way. It's madness, Angela. Covidian cult, it's a very good way of putting it. Mac, not Max, Mick. How you doing, Mick? He says the vax passports and sacking care workers makes no sense. If the jab works, then those that have had it are protected. If it doesn't work, then why should we all take it? I feel for those care workers and those truly vulnerable people who rely on them. That's Mick. Thank you, Mick. 29 minutes past five. Your Richie Allen Show with me, your BBG, broadcasting live. As always, from Super Salford, it's good to be with you. Plenty more comment uh, from me, mostly, in the next few minutes. And Dr Pat Morrissey will join the programme in hour two. Are you a company based in the northwest of England who want to improve their profile via social media? Yes! Well, you could go out in the car park and film something on your phone, but it's not very good, is it? No! Sounds terrible, the picture's not that great. Yes! Try Ensign Films. We're a new video production company based in the heart of Manchester. We're really old, we've had loads of experience, and we can work within your budget. Don't go out in the car park with Debbie from Accounts. Seriously, ensignfilms.co.uk. You're listening to the saviour of independent media, Richie Allen. And you're welcome back. Well, today we kind of expected the screw would start to turn on the unjabbed. The Health Secretary, Sajid Javid, said yesterday that we all needed to be jabbed to avoid Christmas restrictions, didn't he? He did, the little. Anyway, Kay Burley interviewed Professor Mike Tilsley this morning, did Kay Burley. Didn't you, Kay? Fabulous. It's all good. (laughs) She did. Uh, He's an infectious diseases expert at Warwick University, Professor Mike Tilsley. They discussed COVID case numbers, booster shots and winter lockdowns. Let's hear a wee bit of Kay and Professor Mike Tilsley. 
Well, Professor Mike Tilsley, who is a member of SAGE subgroup, the Scientific Pandemic Influenza Group, is uh, with us now. Hello to you. Thank you very much indeed for joining us on the programme this morning. COVID cases are still rising. It would appear at quite the rate, 14 times more people in hospital than there were this time last year. How what? 14 times more people in hospital now than there was last year? I spy, with my little eye, a massive fucking lie. Let's hear. How concerned should we be, sir? Good morning. Come on, Mike. Wipe that lie out. Well, I've, I've seen this statistic this morning, and I have to say, I'm, not, I'm quite confused as to how this 14 times has been calculated. If, Me too. If we look at the UK dashboard, um, it does suggest that I think there are around about 10,000 patients in hospital with coronavirus now, compared with about 14,000 on the same day last year. Hang on. There are 10,000 people in hospital with COVID now, compared with 14,000 on November 8th, 2020. Where did Birdie get her, there are 14 times more people in hospital now than last year, number four? I know she got it by special delivery from Uranus. Bullshit. So it is. it does appear to be lower currently. However, it was a lot higher through September and October this year compared with last year. So it may be that that's where this 14 times figure is coming from. So it's a little bit confusing. He's giving her an out there, isn't he? He's giving her an out. She's lied. Burley. Now, you might argue that somebody handed Burley the, the, the statistics, but I wouldn't read them. When I, when I was produced, and I was produced, I often wiped my arse with figures given to me by my producers, because I looked at them and said, think again. That doesn't look right. Go and check it out and then come back to me. And in the meantime, I would check it out myself. I would wipe my derriere with that nonsense. You should have seen Burley's face during the conversation. She looked like a bulldog chewing a wasp. Picture it. It's a thing of beauty. Anyway. The key thing for me, actually, that we do need to monitor is the trend. Obviously, with a high number of patients in hospital, it is concerning. And, of course, we do want to reverse that. There is early evidence that actually cases are coming down but of course it does take a little bit of time before that's reflected in hospital admissions and deaths that are concerningly high so clearly it does need monitoring and the key thing for me is it does show we're not out of the woods yet booster vaccination campaign is very very key and it's really important that we get as many people out to get those booster jabs as soon as they are booster jabs 10 million people, I believe. That's what we're hearing from uh, the health secretary over the weekend. 10 million people have had their booster jabs. Not enough is what you're saying, I'm guessing. Not enough is what you're saying, I'm guessing. Barley is delighted to just skip over that whopper of a lie that there are 14 times more people in hospital now than last year. Phew, right, Kay? Yeah. Anyway, do you want more booster jabs there, doctor? Well, it was, it's certainly getting better. It was slow a few weeks ago. We were seeing reports that almost around about 40, 45% of individuals who should have been eligible had not yet had their booster vaccinations. But it does appear to have accelerated. I think on Saturday, we had the highest number of booster vaccines in a single day, uh, around about 350,000. So it is going in the right direction, but there clearly is work to do. For, the pe for people over 50, for people at vulnerable adults, Immunity will be starting to wane from the second jab. So it is really important that that um, acceleration continues. And Immunity will be starting to wane from the second jab. Professor Mike Tilsley is another pathological fucking liar. The jabs do not offer any immunity against COVID whatsoever. I mean, 
are these guys aware that they're lying? I, I, I mean, I, I know that when one is lying, one's nose doesn't grow, sadly. But surely they are aware they're lying. How can immunity begin to wane from a jab that didn't give immunity in the first place? That's the mathematical question, children. That's your year six project. Figure that one out. And hopefully we get as many people protected as possible as we move into the colder months. But you can't. Your claim about the jab is that the jab stops you getting seriously ill from COVID, but doesn't stop you getting COVID. Immunity is not happening. Wait till you hear the wench that is Kay Burley now. The latest figures I was looking at was 409,000 people given their boosters um, on on Saturday. But I'm going to go with your figures rather than mine, because you I, know. I, 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 it's the UK, if you, that's the figure uh, you have. OK, fantastic. Wait till you hear. Um, how important is it to potentially look at penalising people if they don't have their vaccinations? What kind of fuckery are you? How important is it to uh, think about penalising people if they don't have their jabs? Kay must have been... Uh, there must have been a double standing in for Kay Burley over the last few weeks. She must have been in the Bermuda fucking triangle. What part of... What part of sacking care home workers for not having the jabs isn't penalising them, Kay. Anyway, I won't dwell on it. Here's uh, here's his answer, the doctor. I think it's a really difficult one. And I think this is where we get into very, very dangerous territory. I think it is important to encourage people to come out and get their jabs. And I think it is actually worth remembering that even with a very successful vaccination campaign, there are um, some um, populations where vaccine uptake is much lower. It does appear to be areas of high deprivation, certain minority ethnic communities, vaccine uptake is lower. And I would want to go down the route of encouraging individuals in those communities, maybe sort of getting local leaders involved to try and encourage vaccine uptake is really what's important so that we can protect those communities as we move towards the winter. Um, how concerned are you about a potential winter lockdown, which is sort of I suppose uh, slightly being nudged at, but not really, as a, as a way of saying, if you don't have your booster, then potentially this might happen. No concern are you about potential winter lockdowns? Yeah. Well, I think we were a long way away from thinking in those terms. I think that, you know, clearly... The... We're not a long, long way away from thinking in those terms, by the way. Oh, the winter lockdowns are on the menu. I have no doubt about that. Mike Tilsley there. He went on to say that we just, we just keep encouraging people, just keep encouraging them to have their jabs. Birdie was looking for lockdowns and penalising the unjabbed, eh? What a beauty she is. Oh, God. Hey, listen, this made me giggle. Have you ever seen the film Network with Sidney Lumet? This won't be a new theme now, if you've listened to me for some time. I've mentioned Lumet... Network and Kay Burley before in the same sentence. It's not brand new. But you'll remember Faye Dunaway's character, Diana. Remember? Diana. You are television incarnate, Diana, said Max. Listen to Burley. Now, Nazanin Zagari Ratcliffe is a British-Iranian woman. She's in jail in Iran. They say she's a spy. I don't know whether she is or isn't. I haven't a clue. I do feel bad for... Her husband and her daughter, though. It must be terrible. Now, he's on hunger strike outside the foreign office 
It's day 16 and he's really not well. There's genuine concern, obviously, for his well-being. So Burley had him on this morning. And again, it made me think that Sidney Lumet made Network in 1976. Burley was in her early teens. Maybe he knew the young prepubescent Kay Burley. Maybe Lumet knew the prepubescent Kay Burley. Or maybe he had a time machine. Why do I say that? Well, listen to Burley coming out of her interview with the starving hungry Mr. Ratcliffe. This is just world class. Um, so we'll take it a few more days, but, but I mean, I'm beginning to get a bit creakier. Um, I mean, slower mentally, certainly a lot slower physically, and uh, I'm feeling cold. So we have to listen to my body as well and, and, and take it almost one day at a time at this point. Okay, well, please look after yourself, um, Richard, and you are aware that you can always talk to us. You've always got a platform here if you want to um, speak either directly to the Iranians or to the government. Thank you very much indeed for taking the time. Please look Thank after you. yourself. Thank you, Kate. <sighs> He's not seen his wife for five and a half years. Uh, now, a strange quirk <laughs> You did catch that, didn't you? It's beautiful. It crystallises the characters that we watch and listen to on television and radio. These empty, sociopathic, incapable of human emotions people like the utterly mad Kay Burley. Listen to this. He's not seen his wife. <laughs> I, I love the big... <sighs> Jesus. He's not seen his wife for five and a half years. Uh, now, a strange quirk <laughs> in the Brexit agreement could ruin your entire... Oh, fantastic, eh? Oh, he hasn't seen his wife in five years. It's the sport with Rob. Hey, Rob, how about those eagles? <laughs> oh, jeez, I, I love it, you know. No, 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 don't do that again. Don't do that again. Here, Here's a, a little passage from Network. Diana, played by Faye Dunaway, who, who is the... Who is Kay Burley? Max is speaking to Diana... And he says, Diana, there's nothing left in you that I can live with. You're one of Howard's humanoids. If I stay with you, I'll be destroyed. Like Howard Beale was destroyed. Like Lauren was destroyed. Like everything you and the institution of television touch is destroyed. You're television incarnate, Diana. Indifferent to suffering. Insensitive to joy. All of life is reduced to the common rubble of banality. War murder, death, are all the same to you as bottles of beer. And the daily business of life is a corrupt comedy. You even shatter the sensations of time and space into split seconds and instant replays. Your madness, Diana. Virulent madness. Madness. And everything you touch dies with you. Uh, this is your Richie Allen show, by the way, live from Salford with your BBG, The Time. 
is 18 minutes to the top of the hour and this is wet 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 the Richie Allen Show relies on your support. Visit richieallen.co.uk and make a financial contribution today. And you're very welcome back to the programme. I'm going to read some of your comments now. I've been neglecting the comments. I haven't been neglecting the comments. Let me read some of them now. Uh, hi to Christopher in Sweden. Paul went to see Went, Went, Went in September at an 80s festival. Only, only to find that Marty Pello had been replaced by the Mancunian from Liberty X. It was a proper WTF moment. I would have had got my money back there and then. Then Akacha is in South Africa. Richie, here in South Africa, we have summer lockdowns, lockstep. Uh, this creep here says exactly the same stuff as you here in the UK, except we have a very strong advocate preventing companies from sacking people. Thank you, Katja. Be nice to catch up with you on one of the phone-ins. No doubt. Abdul says the ninja's timing was perfect on that one. Angela says, God, the insanity of people who are sociopathic like that. That is it, and I'm not picking on Burley. That is it. It sums it up. <sighs> He's not seen his wife for five and a half years. Uh, now, a strange quirk. Got over that very quickly there, didn't she, Kay? It's astonishing, isn't it? The lack of empathy. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know Burley per personally, but Jesus, I'm not wrong. I've been listening to her long enough. Hi to Tom Moore. How you doing, Tom? Hope to connect with you. Hope to connect with you. Uh, Chris says Lume was the director of Network. He was. Indeed, he was, of course. Did I say something different? Maybe I did. I am prone to losing my train of thought. I've watched the film several times. It's a very revealing film, particularly now. I mean, when... Those conversations were had in the film, those those dialogues. The media wasn't anywhere near being what it is today. Yet he knew, Lume, and the writers knew what was coming down the road, what the media would be used for, what it would be used to do, you know? Yeah. James disagrees and says stupidity is exactly what the problem is. But we shouldn't call them stupid. So you'll self-censor then, James. Uh, stupidity has got nothing to do with it. Of course, uh, you're, you're wrong. Uh, this is where it isn't... Uh, there's, there isn't any nuance here. Those who don't understand it, it's got nothing to do with their intelligence, their intellect, their IQ. Nothing. It's down to what they've been exposed to. Chance plays a big part in, in, in this. I talked about pre-September the 11th. Remember, you are listening to a person who broadcast on commercial radio live on September the 11th. You're talking to a person who repeated in the following days on my programmes that a man in the Torah Bora Hills planned it, executed it, funded it. Was I stupid, was I, back then? Uh, no, I wasn't stupid. I was ignorant. There's a huge difference. And I think I was very fortunate to stumble across the truth because if I didn't, who knows where we'd be today. While I was a very contrarian character all of my life, disagreeing with people and arguing with people and demanding that I be given an explanation before following any orders, I still couldn't countenance in my darkest dreams 
that governments would be capable of doing the things that I now know they do as a matter of course. So stupidity has got nothing to do with it. It's ignorance. Lack of awareness, again, due to circumstances. I was lucky. At least that's how I see it. Maybe there's no such thing as luck. Louise came on to tell me, Richie, my mum is carers. She has carers. And I think it's going to cause chaos if they sack care workers. To be honest, they really don't give a shite about old people or their carers. So I think they will go ahead with the jabbing. That was in response to Faisal's comment earlier on that there might be a moratorium. Faisal said there is that. But Faisal might be right. You just don't know. Claire says, Richie, inpatient numbers might be up and that could be due to the care crisis we are experiencing. Wonder why that is, she says. Last week we had a waiting list of 90 patients waiting for care for discharge. Yes, and that's going to happen, isn't it, Claire, this winter? Elderly patients who need to be discharged from hospital to be told to go home won't be able to go anywhere. There won't be care for them. And, you know, there's a 5 million strong waiting list where people were denied care because the NHS became a COVID service. Many of those people's conditions have worsened. They need to be looked after now. Do I have to say it again? I think I need to because new listeners are joining all the time. There are less than half the beds in 2021 than there were in 1990. Think about that. Net migration, over 100,000 a year for 20 years. Think about that. You take beds out for social distancing. So now it's far less than half the capacity that you had in 1990. Claire is right. It's an accident waiting to happen, but it isn't an accident. They're doing it deliberately. Surrounded by morons, thanks for the kind words, I don't deserve them. Craig, how you doing, Craig? He says a high number of people in hospital in winter. Fancy that. Exactly. Exactly. This time of year, hospitals are busy. Because as you get older and older and older, God love our elderly relatives, friends, loved ones, the old immune system is not as great as it once was. Even if you are dosing yourself with the vitamin C, D3, zinc and, and a bit of, bit of, bit of a bit, vitamin B12, bit of iron. Even if you are, you're still a bit more susceptible to the, to the flus and a road of viruses and, and all of that. 100% right. It's Craig. We've so much more to talk about and I'm running out of time. How could you run out of time on your own show? Well, it is possible. So it is. It is possible. Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio this morning spoke with Professor Carol Sikora, Medical Director of Rutherford Cancer Centres. Now he told Brewer that he doesn't understand vaccine hesitancy, but he does go on to say that the unjabbed are not a problem to his credit. None of us understand vaccine hesitancy. I remember when I got it, I was very privileged. I went to my old hospital, Hammersmith Hospital, eight o'clock in the morning and got jabbed just the first week of January. And, you know, bought all the young doctors some buns, so it increased my popularity. <laughs> but there's no doubt that 
there are a significant minority, about 10% of the population, that just don't want to do it for a whole range of reasons. And we don't understand those reasons. And instead of making it mandatory, which is just conflagration with the unions, with the, the Royal Colleges, with all the, the professional groups, let's try and persuade people. You know, if 90%, as in the care homes, of nearly half a million people are actually fully vaccinated, then there really is no problem. It'd be nice if we get another 5% by persuasion, and then we should be fine. You don't need to have everybody immunised to do it. Compel compelling people to do it will lead to all sorts of things. If you take the care homes of the half million workers, these people are lowly paid. They're paid minimal wage, maybe just above in some cases. Not much progress. They can't progress anywhere in their careers. They're stuck. And they could get better jobs, higher paid jobs, Amazon drivers and various other things out there. These are not skilled people. They, have, uh, they're, they're, they could be compassionate, they could be empathic and they can be caring. And that's what you want in a care worker. Yeah. But they don't necessarily have anyway. have have the sort of skills that the, the skills or the qualifications which are going to get them a higher paid job. And this is the issue, isn't it? It's that one in ten care home workers, and often actually uh, focused in big cities, particularly London and the southeast, are not double jabbed. Have no intention of getting double jabbed. They are going to leave those jobs. They won't be allowed to go to work. We've already got care homes where they've not uh, uh, they're basically not taking any extra patients, particularly elderly patients coming out of hospital. They've had their medical care. They don't need to be in hospital anymore. But they're now using up a bed that could be used by uh, someone else because there's nowhere for them to go. The care home staff are going to then move, we're told, en masse uh, to NHS jobs where there is a massive shortage, where they're not required to be double jabbed. I mean, unintended... That's a very interesting point made by Brewer, that some, some care staff might end up moving to NHS jobs where they're not at the moment required to be double jabbed. The only thing is, what could they do in the NHS, you know, care workers? You would imagine it would be manual labour jobs. Don't think for a minute that I'm running down care workers. I'm not. Care workers tend, not always of course, not always, but tend not to have too many academic qualifications. And increasingly they're, they're, they're looking like the smart ones for not going through universities and colleges of course. But what will they do in the NHS? You would imagine it'll be manual labour positions, it'll be cleaning, it'll be, I suppose, um, uh, laundry jobs, cleaning jobs, you would imagine, f you know, feeding, working in the canteens, the cafeterias. Interesting point by Burley, but but, but I, I don't see what many care workers could do inside the NHS. Tended consequences of this are extraordinary, but... Um it does seem that, again, there's just not being joined up thinking that, yes, I would... There is joined up thinking. When will Burley ever understand it? And she's not a shill, you know. I know some of you will say they're all shills. They're not all shills. Burley, uh, uh, Jesus, Brewer, Hartley Brewer, is a kind of toffee-nosed Tory. Uh, I would have said at one time a pretty decent broadcaster, understands the medium, far from stupid. She's one of those who just can't imagine that what is happening is happening. I'm sure she thinks about it and then removes it immediately from her train of thought. She says, I wonder if... No, no, no. It can't be. Therefore, it's just bumbling Boris and that deluge of dickheads that surround him making stupid decisions. That's what it must be.
That's what Hartley Brewer thinks, you know. This goes on for a minute. We'll have a listen. If it doesn't get any more interesting, we'll move on. Exactly so. And you, you hit the nail on the head. It's the pressure on the NHS, the secondary pressure, by not having the care home beds you need, which means people who have been in hospital for a chest infection or some heart attack, whatever, won't have anywhere to go. They'll have to stay in hospital. That bed is gone. And it's an inappropriate. The patient doesn't want to be in the bed. The patient wants to go to the care home, but they just can't. So we're really getting ourselves. What I don't understand about all this, Julie, is why Javid suddenly changed his mind from not wanting to take on the NHS unions for compulsion mm-hmm. for a ma- a mandatory vaccine for winter, and then say, oh, we'll do it in April. By April, hopefully, this will all be over and all the excitement will have yeah. gone and people will forget about it a bit because what? we're coming... Is this, is this just another one of those things that we're told... It's not going to be over in April. It's, an, it's from the nudge unit at number 10, where it's all about persuading us, cajoling us with a bit of a, a threat that's never actually going to be acted on. I mean, people said that about vaccine passports for going into uh, pubs and restaurants or then for big events and things, that, um, nightclubs. But again, if, if it was a nudge and it was all a conspiracy theory by people saying it was really going to happen, well, that conspiracy theory has come true in Scotland and in Wales and in most of Europe and in you know New Zealand and Australia and everywhere else. So um, I'm, I... Uh, uh, I, I, I regard those threats as, as very real. Um, the issue about Christmas, I find particularly um, galling um, and also an issue over travel as well, but particularly on the Christmas issue. Um, people had, I mean, their Christmas is ruined last year after spending large parts of the year unable to see their family members. Lots of people uh, were desperate to meet up. Half of the country was in tier four, unallowed, not allowed to meet with another single you know, household at all. Um, Sajid Javid, the health secretary, has said, Get your booster jab so we can enjoy Christmas. Now, most people I know are very much of the view they're going to enjoy Christmas this year. <laughs> they will. <laughs> they don't care whether there's a truck shortage, uh, uh, you know, shortages on 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 turkeys and pigs in blankets, or, or what the health secretary is saying. They are they're done with this now. Everyone I know who's over seventy has had their booster jab and is delighted to have it. People like me in the early fifties, I've had COVID. I've had my two jabs. I, I'm. I'm really not convinced that I need the booster jab at all. And I've spoken to a number of medics who've said to me they don't think I should have it. Um, and, and the idea that there should be this ongoing threat that if you don't keep up with the latest jab, um, and now we're told that uh, on, on the travel issue that actually your third, your booster jab, may be added to whether you are fully jabbed or not and whether or not you have to quarantine when you travel. Um, this is, I mean, this is basically bringing to life all of the conspiracy theories that have been around for the last 18 months. That's right, Julia. And silence. Well. You're quite right. What what it's doing is, as you say, the nudge unit, uh, they're testing out various strategies. Yes, she'll get there in the end. Will Julia Hartley Brewer. It's exactly, uh, well, it's nearly a minute past six. Ah, that flew, that hour. It's uh, your Richie Allen show, live from Salford with me, Richie Allen. Coincidentally, the BBG with you till about seven o'clock. Dr Pat Morrissey will be on the line from Adair in Limerick shortly. What a lovely gentleman Pat is. He came on the programme earlier in the year. The Irish government put pressure on him because he didn't want to administer COVID jabs in his surgery. He wasn't denying anybody who wanted one of the jabs, but he didn't want to administer them. He wasn't convinced of the safety of the jabs or of their necessity. Lovely fella came in for a lot of stick in the media. Uh, and he'll be back. We'll, we'll have a good chat with Pat, so we will.
Colin is in Kerry and he asks me a question I can't answer because I wasn't aware of it. He says, Richie, what do you think of Eamon Ryan failing a PCR test but then conveniently passing the second PCR test so that he could go to Glasgow? NFET quick to spout bullshit that the PCR test only has a 0.1% false positive rate. Now he's referring, Colin, to the National Public Health Emergency Team in Ireland, which is the Irish version of SAGE. It's a committee that was set up in Ireland in January of last year to deal with uh, with the COVID problem. Yes, I wasn't aware of what Eamon Ryan uh, was getting up to at all. No, I wasn't. But uh, thanks for giving me the heads up. Maybe Pat will bring it up in a few minutes. Maybe he will. Lovely. Scaramouche says it's a satanic ritual. You have to be willing through persuasion. Hmm, maybe. You might be right. Karen says a lot of care nursing home staff are actually qualified nurses. Plus, there are a lot of care assistants working in the NHS. Not all NHS patients contacting staff are qualified nurses and doctors. Thanks, Karen. Something I didn't know anything about, of course. I'm glad that you jumped in to correct me. Chris has joined in on the correcting the BBG. Good. He says, no NHS hospital has a laundry. The care workers, care assistants, do all the personal care work, Richie. The dressing and washing and helping those who need to go to the toilet. Thank you, Chris and Karen, for clearing that up. Wasn't aware of it, to be honest. But uh, that's really interesting. So maybe Brewer is on to something, unless Matt Hancock gets his way and there is a rapid announcement that NHS workers will need to be jabbed. But that's unlikely because his successor, Sajid Javid, the current health secretary, well, only a few days ago, he said the jab will be mandated for care workers, but they won't be asked to prove they've been jabbed until next April. Interesting stuff. Indeed, it's the Richie Allen Show. I said that already, but I've got to keep telling you. That's what we do in the media. Got to remind you. Brand identification is what it's all about, really. Oh, killy dokily then. Yes, we will be getting a doctor. Pat Morrissey on the show real soon. The Richie Allen Show features doctors, scientists, academics and researchers who have been banned by the legacy media. Support Richie now by making a financial contribution at richieallen.co.uk. Please do support the programme if you never have done. There isn't another programme like it in the world. I've never been a boastful type. You know that. Uh, the programme needs your support. If you don't support it, it, it doesn't, well, it won't survive. And with PayPal banning the programme, with me left with Patreon and my bank account, support has waned for the show. And that's not good because it's a very expensive radio show to put on. So please support it. Go to richieallen.co.uk. At the top on the menu bar, it says support your show. Use the bank account details. If you're overseas, there's IBAN numbers, there's BIC numbers. Use the bank or use Patreon. But do support the show. Examine your conscience. If you listen to the programme all the time and you need it and it's important for you and you can afford to, but yet you've chosen not to, examine your conscience. Support the programme. Either way, you're going to listen to it anyway. I'm well aware of it. If you don't support it, you're going to listen to it because I'm never going to put it behind a paywall. Ever. Isn't that amazing that I've never done that in seven years? With my audience. Isn't that amazing? I could have enriched myself. Financially, I could have done. 
I could have made myself a fortune by putting it behind a paywall. Indeed, I was advised to do it by many people. I could have done that. I didn't. Why? Because I'm a saint? No, I'm far from it. I'm a curmudgeonly bastard. I never put it behind a paywall because despite all of my foibles, I'm a decent bloke. The things we discuss should be heard by everybody. It'll never be behind a paywall. Get off your arse and support it. Nobody's getting rich here, but it needs to be supported. Okay. I to Chainsaw Sue and to Diane Hughes, who says, Richie, care workers walk out, death squads walk in, say, got away with it once, they'll try it again. Dr. Pat Morrissey is on the Richie Allen Show next. Everything is Danny Wilson there and Mary's prayer on the Richie Allen show. It's at 12 minutes past six then. I think we might have uh, Dr. Pat on the line now. Just before we say hello to him, by the way, uh, let me remind you back in February, he came on the programme to talk about why he'd decided not to give COVID jabs to patients and why at that time he said he would go to court to head off any attempts to remove him from his position, a regarded and well-liked GP in the community. He said at the time that he doesn't support the government's lockdown measures in Ireland and that the vaccines are unlicensed, they're they're experimental and still being trialled. He told us he wasn't against them per se, but that he had decided not to receive one nor give them to his patients until there is strong evidence that the jabs pose no risks to health in the long term. I'm delighted to welcome back to the programme uh, Dr. Pat Morrissey from the Adair Clinic Hello. in Limerick. Pat, Hello. how are you? Hello, Pat, are Hello. you there? And he can't hear me. I don't know what's happening. We're having communication problems. Can you hear us, Pat? Pat, can you hear us? Hello? Hi, Pat, it's Richie. Are you there? Hi. Hi, Richie. Ah, there you are. There's weird communication problems going on today, Pat. It's not just here, apparently. Um, There's a terrible echo on this line. I don't think I could work with this line. I'll tell you what I'll do. I will... I will hang up and I will call you back at your number. Yeah. It generally clears out the uh, the echo problem, Pat. So I'll do that and I'll call you back in 10 seconds. Okay. Thank Thanks, you. Pat. Um, that's nice. Pat's there anyway. There is a wee echo on the line. But these things happen, don't they? <laughs> let's try again. And let's hope it works this time. We might end up... Hi. Hi, it's Richie Allen here. I'm, I'm expecting to yeah. speak with Dr. Pat. Thank you very much. Live radio is marvellous, isn't it? This is when you have no producers, you see. Hello? Hey, Pat, I hope that's better. Um, oh, no, it's terrible. Oh, well, I know what to do. Uh, I'll phone you on the mobile. Right, let me grab the mobile. Uh, can he, uh, no, it's, it seems to have cleared out now. How's it can done? Can you hear me okay? You, you sound like you're in the next room. It sounds so lovely to us. Great, excellent. Great, great. No, no, it's, uh, yeah, I, that sounds okay now, actually. Yeah, yeah. Good part. Thanks. If if there's any issues, tell me and I'll call the mobile. No problem. Okay. We, we spoke in February and um, many were moved by your plight at the time. The media was all over you and national radio presenters having a go. And we talked about maybe you needing to go to court to stop any attempts to remove you from the clinic. Thank God you're still at the clinic. What's been happening in the time since since we spoke last? Well, it was February, Richie, was it? 
Yes, it was February, we, Pat, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so much, so much has happened uh, since, I suppose. Um, I'm, I'm very busy with my own work and uh, just uh, w- in relation to that, you just keep your head down and just keep working through the, the cases and, and, and doing what you can for people as they come through. And thank God I've been allowed to uh, uh, work away and, and look after my patients. Um, so, so that's, that's, that's been great. Um, and I get, still get great satisfaction from my work and, uh, um, I have increasing numbers of people coming to me from, from all over the country, really, because uh, people are aware of my views on COVID and uh, aware that I provide early treatment. And it's been very satisfying, actually, providing early treatment for, for, for patients with COVID. I have lots of positive experiences, um, you know, helping people people through um and you know for most people covid is is a minor illness but for some it can be quite serious and i've had a few that have ended up in hospital um but but uh, everybody's got through it thank god um and the vast majority have stayed out of hospital and the vast majority report that when they start treatment they feel themselves improving straight away so um I, I am more and more convinced as time passes about the the efficacy and value of of early treatment with drugs like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and n-acetylcysteine and and uh, another uh group of group of drugs you know they have to be used together uh, but but taken together and if patients are followed up appropriately they work really well you've answered my next question because I was going to ask you straight away to tell us about the early treatment, the early intervention. Now, I can't not say this because I'd be useless if I didn't. The World Health Organization wants me to believe that you're a quack for prescribing for people a medicine that was used uh, to treat uh, animals um, for, for various things. They've put out press releases on this. You've got news programs saying that it's a complete fake news hoax. Ivermectin shouldn't be used to treat uh, mm. viruses of any kind. That's what they want me to say to you. What's your response mm. to that? Well, Ivermectin's been out for over 45 years. Um, the, the, the developers of it received the Nobel Prize for its use in humans. And... The, one of the developers was an Irishman, William Campbell, uh, from, from Donegal, and he is on record as saying that they noted the antiviral effects, uh, himself and Satoshi Omura noted the antiviral effects of ivermectin in their investigation of its mode of action. Uh, so we know that it's an antiviral uh, from uh, in vitro studies uh, quite early on. And we know from uh, real-life studies, uh, there's about 30 randomized controlled trials, about 70 trials in total. Uh, If people want to look up, uh, there's a giant meta-analysis done of all these studies on uh, c19study.com. People can look it up. It's all laid out there, both the positive and the negative studies for ivermectin. Uh, But the vast bulk... um, of, of studies are in favor of uh, ivermectin and show a massive reduction, something like an 85% reduction in hospitalization and death. 
and uh, nobody on the other side wants to discuss uh, the the weight, the preponderance of evidence in favour of ivermectin. They why, Pat? To, why? Why? Because they're wrong and they can't defend their position. And they'd rather uh, smear the drug by calling it a veterinary medicine, which is is uh, preposterous. Uh, Joe Rogan uh, took this on himself and he he, he uh, interviewed uh, the, the health, the, uh, the doctor, one of the doctors with CNN, uh, who had to just apologize uh, for, for CNN's stance on the whole thing. Uh, Joe Rogan said that CNN were lying by saying that he was taking a dewormer. He wasn't. He was taking a drug, a human drug that was prescribed him by a human doctor who practices medicine in humans. And so CNN uh, were disingenuous and more than that, they were lying. And uh, our media lies as well because we're not using a veterinary drug. We're using a drug that's formulated for humans. And people can look at the observational data and um, The countries that are most vaccinated have the highest rates of COVID. The countries that have given up on the vaccine and favored early treatments, such as Mexico, such as most of the states in India, such as Japan, which which did uh, look at vaccines initially and then... Uh, they're, when they saw the way things were going, they had another look at ivermectin and they changed direction. There, there's no problem with COVID in Japan now. Why did India, uh, hang on Pat, why did India reverse itself on ivermectin? Why did it do that? Well, because there's obviously uh, doctors who can see the evidence and haven't been bought and sold by big pharma and they actually care about their people. And uh, this, this, this is the problem. There's been regulatory capture throughout national and international systems. You may have heard about the legal case that the um, Indian Bar Association are taking against the chief scientist of the World Health Organization, who happens to be an Indian woman. So they're taking her to court um, and they, they are accusing her of malfeasance in office and basically a form of involuntary manslaughter because of her part in uh, dissuading and suppressing uh, the evidence about ivermectin. So this has had a direct effect in terms of lives lost because of her decision to ignore the evidence. And the Indian Bar Association, a national uh, organization of lawyers in India, are pursuing this case vigorously against this woman. So it's not just me that's saying ivermectin works. Um, There are many, many doctors who use it uh, all over the world. Uh, Here in Ireland, in one of the lapses by the mainstream media, they allowed Dr. Pierre Corrie on uh, the Pat Kenny show. Yeah. And he was able to talk at length about uh, the efficacy uh, of ivermectin, about the studies, uh, including the Carvalho study in Argentina. And uh, he talked about the issue of regulatory capture. Pat Kenny seemed totally ignorant of the subject and how the world really works. But he let him I, talk. Yeah. He let him talk tellingly. He let him talk. He did. Yeah, yeah. But then he brings in Luke O'Neill day after day after day to try and drown out yeah. that message, you know. Yeah. Uh, so Pat Kenny can say, oh, I, I let him on. I did. Yeah, he did. But 95% of the time, he's got the other narrative going, which suppresses the truth. You're right. 
you're right. And, and and we have to get excited when one day out of a hundred they allow a doctor yeah. on to, you know, who has used it. You're a doctor. You're a proper doctor. You're qualified. I don't know you personally, but I've been a news producer and presenter at every level for most of my life. And I know that you would not say that you use ivermectin and that it is effective unless you uh, were telling the truth. So I know that, that, that you're telling the thru- truth instinctively. And yet the attacks on the drug go on uh, day in, day out. What, do you know when I announced you were coming on today? You won't be surprised by this. I was inundated with questions um, from people who know of you or know you in Ireland. And they wanted me to ask you, I don't know what you'll make of this question now, um, what have you, have you noticed since the beginning of the, the, the rollout of the jabs? Have you noticed, have you seen people or heard anecdotally from your colleagues of people coming into clinics with, with um, adverse events after the jabs? Yes, I have, Richie. Unfortunately, um, uh, we we worried uh, initially when we saw what types of agents were being used with these the, these jabs because they were so novel and so new, uh, and they were being rolled out so quickly uh, to 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 the population. But it was only with the rollout that we uh, understood and we could see the types of effects that were. Um, developing and, and colloquially people even call these things clot shot you know we know uh, that they're causing uh, strokes bleeding um, heart issues the the issue about myocarditis uh, in, in in younger people especially in young men especially uh, it's it's quite staggering the amount of cases of young healthy athletes who are collapsing on pitches around Europe and and in the US. Um, it's just it's just staggering. Well, um, we don't know they've had the jabs now. Can I can I just jump in there? And you know you'll get plenty yeah. of time to talk on this program because I'm yeah. glad you're on. I'm glad that we can do this. We we don't know. I spoke to a nurse on the program the other day. She brought up the sports people as well. And I said, it's anecdotal because we, we just don't know how many of them have been jabbed. And the other thing I want to point out is, this is not me talking now, but Sage in England and Enfet in Dublin, they say that the myocarditis, these incidents are so rare as almost to be a non-issue. How do you respond? Well, uh, there's a gentleman called Stephen Kirsch who's behind... Uh, LifeSite News, and he uh, he's a tech millionaire, but he was awakened to the issue regarding the jabs when staff that he had working with him uh, began telling him stories of what was happening to them and their families. He'd actually taken the vaccine himself, uh, but he's provided a lot of uh, resources to research the issue and has done depositions to the FDA and uh, research that he is behind shows that in the age group 5 to 11, that the incidence of myocarditis um, is around 1 in 350. Now, that's mm. not inconsequential. That yeah. is not uh, vanishingly rare. That's a, a serious rate of adverse effects. Um, I'm on, on Twitter. I, have a, you know, I, I tweet the odd thing that I find interesting. And I, I retweeted something there a couple of days ago by this um, 
uh, about this uh, professional uh, mountain biker called Kyle Warner who took the Pfizer vaccine. He ended up with pericarditis. His career is over. Uh, He's now campaigning uh, for redress and uh, acknowledgement Uh, from the establishment in the United States of those who were uh, injured. And what he wears on his chest is where there is risk, there should be choice. And he comes out in quite a measured way. If anybody wants to find him online, I'm sure they can find him, Kyle Warner. Um, uh, You know, he was totally uh, on message with this, thought he was doing the right thing, did what he was told, got the jabs, his life has been completely turned upside down. His career as a as a professional cyclist is over. Um, you know, so that's that's one anecdotal story. Um, I've personally um, filed a record of a patient of mine with pericarditis, a young man. Um, who in the recent past developed chest pain after the first shot of Pfizer and ended up in hospital. The hospital confirmed that he had pericarditis based on an echo. Uh, This man used to run, play golf. He's not doing those things anymore. It's now months down the line. He's still under care by cardiology. Okay, so uh, I have I'm not just reading about these things. I'm seeing them in front of me. If I, I mean, if you're right, if it's, well, not you, but if that study is right and it's one in 350, well, we're going to have an avalanche of people becoming seriously well, ill or, or worse. Well, I hope, I hope it doesn't go, I, they're, they're, they're turning the screw. They're trying to, to, to say that, uh, you know, we need to, the, the, young, the young people and the kids are spreading this. Uh, you know, but so they, 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 the narrative is that uh, we should use children as shields to protect the vulnerable. And so we should use the protection that hasn't protected uh, the, 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 uh, those who are vulnerable. Uh, we're supposed to use that protection uh, because it didn't protect them already. You know, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. That's what we're hearing all the time here mm. in this country. We're hearing that it's important to get the, the 12 to 15-year-olds jabbed up quick to protect granny and granddad. And I wonder, I know you're a, a general practitioner, an experienced one. Maybe you have dabbled a bit in looking into mental health, but I wonder what that's doing to the psyches of children, that telling them things like that, that you might kill your granny or granddad. That's not good stuff, Pat, is it? No, and um, there's there's uh, there's there's evidence that there's increasing anxiety and uh, mental health issues among among the the young. Um, I, I I suppose I haven't been seeing it in the very young age groups. I mean, y- y- very young children are very um, resilient and they tend to. To, to, to cope well but uh, you can see that there has been an increase in youth suicide those in the, in the uh, uh, early 20s for sure um, although the data there seems to be suppressed as well but 
there is there is some evidence that uh, the rate of suicide is going up. And more worryingly, um, there's data there that shows excess mortality uh, in younger age groups is increasing uh, this year over what it was last year. It's something in, uh, of the magnitude of, of uh, 20 to 30 percent, I believe, um, that excess mortality has, has, has increased in younger age groups. And one has to ask oneself, uh, you know, what's different this year from last year? You know why? You know why is there more COVID this year than there was this time last year, when when uh, the vast bulk of the population are vaccinated? Yeah. And why are why are all these people dying of these other issues that aren't COVID this year when they weren't dying last year? One just has to you know uh, you know inquiring mind should 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 ask what 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 is the difference and and try and come up with hypotheses because people's lives are at risk and it behoves us to to uh to figure it out and and uh and to so- and solve the problem you know so Pat, other I'm from, people have a, yeah no so i'm from mm. i'm from port lauriga i'm from waterford mm. and mm. i i had to double check a week or so ago but i did see a headline that came straight from vaudeville really it said that mm. w- waterford is the highest uptake of covid jobs in mm. in the 26 counties and yet yeah. it has the highest rate of COVID infections. Pat, I'm not a doctor. I wasn't even a mathematician. Something is very wrong there. Yeah, even better than that, Richie, the, 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 the converse, the county with the lowest vaccination rate in Ireland, which was Monaghan, had the lowest rate of COVID. Oh, Jesus. I, said, I don't mean to blaspheme. Apologies. Oh, Pat, I didn't know that. You're not kidding me. No. So, oh, so, my God. It's just it, it, it beggars belief, but uh, we're 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 being labelled the conspiracy theorists, you know, and um, for talking sense. Uh, and can I ask well, you this? You are talking sense. Look, I'm not supposed to, to editorialise, but my listeners know how I feel about this. I, I always put the caveat that I am a lay person. I know nothing, mm. but I'm a journalist. I'm a good one. I'm a good researcher. I can I can access documents quickly. I can read them quickly. I've got to ask you this. Do you buy into the idea that flu disappeared off the face of the earth last winter because of the COVID measures? No, no. Uh, This whole charade uh, and debacle is built on uh, the PCR test, which isn't fit for purpose. And even it's not me that said that. The the FDA have acknowledged it as well, you know, that it's not fit for purpose. But at the same time, they continue to allow it to be used and they say it won't be replaced until uh, the 1st of January 2022. Uh, so, so, so the Dro- Corman Drosten test is uh, hopelessly uh, inadequate, and then run at the uh, cycle thresholds that they that they currently use. It's it's even worse, uh, so that you've got a ninety five percent false uh, false positive uh, rate on, on on testing. It's all geared towards generating the cases so that they can control the narrative. It's a, as far as you're concerned, it is as simple as that. They, they mm. like, in other words, they must know that the the threshold for testing, you know, amplifying them more than mm. forty, forty five times, they must know themselves that this is poor scientific practice. You believe that? 
Oh, yes, but sure, this has been proven in a court of law in Portugal. Uh, you know, it's not just me saying it. Uh, they acknowledge that in, in a, in a, there's a precedent in, in, the, in the court in, in, in Portugal. Uh, and, uh, you know, one place where, where the courts might be working, it's very hard to get justice in the courts. And justice uh, delayed is justice denied. But we, there was a judgment there. Uh, so they don't want this issue discussed uh, here in Ireland. They vigorously, ve- ve- you know, are vehemently against uh, antigen testing, which is a much more accurate way of of, of ascertaining whether somebody who's symptomatic has has COVID or not. They were, uh, you know, vehemently against that. But of course, that's about giving power back to the people, giving responsibility to the people, giving, you know, allowing people autonomy in their own health decisions. But but, uh, the the authorities that be don't don't want uh, the people to be in control of their, their own health. They prefer for them to be fearful and cowering and waiting and hanging on every word uh, from their six o'clock bulletins. Tell us about, uh, I know you're busy, so I won't keep you too much longer. I really appreciate your time today. Just a couple of more minutes. No, I I genuinely do. I'm not just saying that. Delighted you're back on after uh, six or seven months. Great to have you back on. You are listening to Dr. Pat Morrissey, by the way, who's at the Adair Clinic in Limerick. And, uh, you know, for many in in Ireland and in that part of the country, uh, he's a bit of a hero. And and I know you won't want to hear that, but I've already had several messages from people, including from Jen who says, huge respect for Pat Ritchie. Uh, he's helped some of my family members with early treatment. He's the epitome of what a doctor should be. That's Jenny with an eye in Dublin. Uh, there's a few more like that, and I'm getting emails as well. That's a nice thing, so you can take that mm. pat on the back because it does take a bit of courage to, to speak about these things. You're an Irishman, mm. I'm an Irishman. I'm proud of my heritage, uh, even though I don't live in Ireland and I've not been back for many years, but I am. And uh, I can't believe that I'm talking to another Irishman and you're in a country, our country, where people are being asked basically era papira bitta if they want to go to a pub for a drink. Mm-hmm. How, do you, yeah. how do you cope with that? How do you deal well, with the reality? Well, how do I deal with it? Well, um, I suppose that uh, you have to take a, a twin track approach. You have to, to, to fight uh, this you know, denial and uh, assault on our basic human rights and at the same time build a parallel society to to operate outside um, the uh, illegal system that has been foisted upon us. So, so um, uh, we're going to, we're going to live our lives. We're going to um, live as free people, uh, whether they like it or not, that may may make things difficult for us to to live free. But um, uh, you know, so so be it. Freedom is more than just an aspiration uh, for some people. Uh, many people, uh, unfortunately, I think uh, uh, the Irish and many other countries in, in the Western world, we've 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 grown soft. Uh, and uh, we have taken for granted the freedoms that were so hard fought for, um, you know. But there still are people who value freedom and are willing to fight for it, and uh, they can see the difference between good and evil, and uh, know what side of that equation they're on. 
so uh, that's been one positive in all of this, I suppose, is that I've made lots of new friends and uh, we're making lots of networks and we're not just waiting for what's coming down the line. We're, we're uh, you know, developing contingencies, uh, growing our gardens, you know, uh, figuring out how to uh, keep the lights on. And uh, a lot of these things that uh, uh, we've taken for granted up to now. So I don't know, does that answer your question? It does, yeah. We, we've been talking in my household about a little bit of survivalism as well not to be melodramatic but yeah looking at doing things like that my absolute final question for you today is and i hope maybe shortly after christmas when you have a bit more time we might do a longer segment where we can have a chat because so many questions and comments are coming in final question i suppose speaks to your christianity and and i and i bring it up because you mentioned you you mentioned evil is this mm. is this evil? Are there darker forces at work? And by the way, there's no there's no tongue in cheek here. I am completely mm. open minded to that possibility. I've become more mm. alive or aware of that possibility. Is there something incredibly sinister going on here, Pat? Beyond anything that most people can maybe comprehend. I think people of faith. Uh, when they look at this, they see many layers in it that that others who don't have faith may miss. And uh, that you know, I'm proud to stand with people of faith and people without faith. Um, you know, as long as we have faith in in in, in ourselves. But uh, uh, I, it definitely has strengthened my uh, Christian Christian faith and. Um, uh, you know, it makes a lot more sense of things. You can see where things are going. It's like you can see the script more clearly uh, when when you have uh, uh, this this appreciation of of of, of good and evil. Um, there has to be more than just greed driving what uh, the agenda that's going on at the moment. Um, there's some perverse pleasure being had by those on the other side. Um, and, uh, you know, as, as, it, as it moves on, it, it's becoming more and more obvious. Now, I don't want to get all, uh, uh, you know, biblical about it, but, uh, uh, you know, fundamentally, uh, you know, good is about you know loving your neighbor as yourself and do no harm and uh uh belief in a in a creator you know and it doesn't need to get an awful lot more complicated than that and you can see that what's uh, going on at the moment this divide and conquer this uh, creation of a submissive underclass you look at COP26 or the 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 uh, G, the summits where where the uh, politicians uh, don't wear masks and all the people around them do you know this um, uh, this divide and conquer where they try and dehumanize people who who uh, want to maintain their own personal health choices for something that has uh, no impact whatsoever on uh, the public public health issue, yeah. you know, a, a so-called vaccine that is so leaky uh, that it might as well be dishwater, you know. Um, 
uh, and then at the denial of of early treatments which have been shown to be uh, so so effective you know one can't but see that there's some uh, agenda other than health behind all of this you know and greed even you know it's much more profound than that i would think and you can see if people watch what's going on with the catholic church and the infighting that's going on there um, you know, I, I, I don't want to go into all the detail with that. I know your listeners aren't all Catholics, but, but it's, it's, it's quite an interesting drama uh, between, you know, what, what Archbishop Vigano might say and, and what uh, the, 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 the Pope might say about what's going on in the world at the moment, what people should do. And this all ties in with the climate agenda. We could get into that in another yeah, day. Yeah. Uh, Richie, you, you, you I'd be happy you know to get in. going on there I do. too. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, be, I'd love to get into that with you another day. Listen, you should be probably halfway home now and maybe, I don't know. No pleasure if you, talking to you. Yeah. No, no, the, the, the pleasure is mine. I don't know if you imbibe or not. It's none of my business, but you might be halfway through uh, a glass of stout, but you stayed back to, uh, to chat with us. Pat, if I don't speak to you this side of Christmas, Merry Christmas. Thanks for standing up against it. I really do mean that from the bottom of my heart. I could get emotional when I say that because so few have stood up to it. And I'm so proud that an Irishman is one of them. And there are other Irish people doing it as well. But but Godspeed to you. Merry Christmas. I know it's very early to be saying that to you and your family. And I'd love to have you back on early in the new year. Look forward to that, Richie. Uh, uh, Merry Christmas to you too, uh, even though it's, it's early. It's but, a bit uh, early. <laughs> we'll, talk, we'll talk to you the other side. Thanks, Pat. Uh, Godspeed and God bless to uh, Dr. Pat Morrissey, speaking to us live from Adair, the Adair Clinic in County Limerick. Top man, uh, I, I, I do believe. A very interesting talking there about the early treatment protocols, ivermectin. And uh, he batted away that nonsense from the World Health Organization about it being a dewormer. Huge interest in it. I'll read the comments out in a couple of moments' time. Uh, this is the Richie Allen show. The time is about 15 and a half minutes or thereabouts to the top of the hour. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, to be with you, it's a pleasure. The Richie Allen Show is the world's most popular independent news radio show. Listen on demand via your regular podcast provider. And unsurprisingly, there was a lot of comments coming in there. I'll get to a few of them now. I won't be selective. Hey, by the way, just in case you're wondering, am I selective with the comments? No, no. In terms of what you're saying, no. I I can be selective sometimes if they're not very well written. Now, that's not to suggest... That, that I'm the greatest writer of all time. Far from it. Sometimes people write comments very quickly and they're illegible. I'm like, what? What does that mean? But no, I, I don't choose not to read a comment because I don't agree with the comment. I spend my my, my, my days these days looking for people who, who disagree with me. Can I give you another depressing example of that? Because I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly thick-skinned, me. You have to be doing this job. I've said this before, so I won't repeat it. But there is, it's a very, there's a tiny element, I think, of people who listen to me and they think, uh, ah, he, he brings people on who, who agree with him. That's not true. I invite people on all the time who I believe now, they genuinely believe that COVID is deadly and that we, we need to be forcing jabs on people. So I regularly invite them on. And I also invite people on 
who are experts and who say things that we would find very interesting. Like, I reached out today to a doctor who, who he's a cardiologist, by the way, and he his name is uh, Asim. You'll know the guy because he, he he gave an interview to 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 who was it? Majid Nawaz, I think, on LBC. This is the British cardiologist Asim Malhotra. And he gave a bit of a bombshell interview to LBC Radio the other day to a guy called Majid Nawaz. And in that interview, he basically denounced Pfizer, the the corporation Pfizer. He denounced them as a bunch of charlatans who, who regularly misrepresent data and trial data when taking drugs to market. And he was particularly scathing in his condemnation of Pfizer in terms of how Pfizer has behaved over its COVID jab, where it has lied about its efficacy and its safety. This is bombshell stuff from Azim Malhotra. And he told he told Majid Nawaz on LBC that he's really pissed off because he, the cardiologist, he took the jab, the jabs, both of them, very early on because he didn't want to be of any threat to his patients. Now he realises that the jabs, by their own admission, do not prevent him passing it on. So he's absolutely livid, is this guy. Now he's speaking to Majid Nawaz, LBC Weekend. Why get in touch with the guy? <clears throat> and then I invite him on this programme today. Now I don't say this, but it's worth bearing in mind I'd have 10 times the reach of somebody like Majid Nawaz on LBC. That's the fact. It's not me just making that up. Now, I wouldn't say that to Malhotra. My email to him was very polite. It's how you doing. I'll read you the email, if I can find it here. Basically, good morning. I'm My name is Richie Allen. I present a popular independent radio show out of Salford. So I give him the daily live show averages. And I can prove that. Okay, I can send the data. I said to him that I was in shock listening to his interview with Majid Nawaz. Now, of course, I wasn't in shock. I know this stuff. He said to the LBC presenter that this should be headline news on every national newspaper, but it isn't. So I said to, to Dr. Asim in my email, you're right, it should be heard and seen everywhere. So I said I was hoping you might be available to do an interview with me uh, or I can pre-record you. Because I've made a point of platforming doctors and academics who are challenging the narrative in the last 18 months. Because the media has abandoned the principle of impartiality. I hope that we can connect. Kind regards, Richie Allen. Now, I get a message to say that he's read the email and he's not responded to me. And this is, this is constant. This is constant. This is every single day, a half a dozen times a day. What's this boo-hoo? Richie is crying because they won't come on his programme. No, not at all. Not at all. I'm letting you know. He will have opened the email. He's never heard of the Richie Allen show. There's no doubt about that. You might say, oh, he might have done. I doubt it. He's then gone online and he has seen that other doctors and politicians have been slammed, hammered by the media for appearing with me. So he decides not to. That's how it works. And it's the same when I contact some COVID 
evangelical, somebody who absolutely believes that COVID is going to kill us all. Yeah, I fancy an argument with that Irish guy. But then we'll look him up. Oh, we're not supposed to talk on his programme. <laughs> this, this is the way it is. I'm going to leave you with a giggle, though. Uh, at least it made me laugh. And, and my sense of humour is bizarre at the best of times. I was watching Good Morning Britain this morning. And, uh, you know, um, they had on a doctor called Dr. Saira Hassan. Dr. Saira Hassan. And she had a burqa on. Or a hajib. Now, hijab, excuse me, my God. I hope I didn't offend anybody there. Hijab, that's right. A burqa or a hijab. She's a doctor, maybe of Asian descent. And she was on Good Morning Britain this morning talking about Christmas and how we might want to be careful at Christmas. And I took a fit of laughing because I have a bizarre sense of humour and the things that I find funny, most people don't find funny. Or some people do. And I thought to myself, dear listener, if I was running the charade, like if I'm in charge of the scamdemic, if it is my job to run this bullshit show, I'd be having meetings all day long as the scamdemic director of operations. You know what, team? We're doing really well. We're driving people mad with the lies and the threats and the fears and the arbitrary rules. And don't kill granny. And uh, hands, face, space. And convincing them to have jabs that don't stop them getting the COVID or passing it on. I'll tell you what, team. I've got a good one. What, Richie? This'll drive them mad. What, Richie? Let's start putting doctors on the telly to say that Christmas is in doubt. Right, Richie, and? And? Let's make them... Asian doctors with Asian-sounding names. I bet you I can turn the country into a racist rabble in a week. Huh? Those... Uh, I'll have people screaming at the telly. Those godless, hijab-wearing, five times a day praying gobshites, threatening my Christmas. <laughs> and I thought of that today when I saw this doctor, Dr. Saira Hassan, who might be a lovely woman. I'm sure she is. Totally harmless. She's probably as British as as, as Big Ben. She is, presumably. But um, if I wanted to wind people up, that's what I'll do. That's what I would do. Yes, let's, let's get doctors from minority ethnic backgrounds. <laughs> let's get them on the telly threatening Christmas. Wait till you see how quick Tommy Robinson's mob take to social media. Anyway, you don't want to hear the clip, do you? Of uh, the... The, the doctor with the Asian sounding name talking about how we have to be careful at Christmas. Do you want to hear it? COVID absolutely is something that's made us all reconvene how we do things. We have a new norm. New norm? I think it's a little bit premature to say that everything needs to go back to normal. <sighs> and what is normal now? I think we've got a new level of normal where we need to be a little bit more sensible. We have had, you know, second doses up to 70%. But Public Health England statistics say that even if you've been doubly vaccinated, you still have a one in five chance of developing COVID. Um, so I think everybody needs to err on the side of caution. Having spoken with uh, restauranteur owners and um, you know other public sectors, they've actually said themselves that the public have now started being a little bit more aware on their own volition, right. where they've not come in at this time of year, recognising that we're hitting winter, 
they've scared the shit out of people so much so, she reckons, that they're not booking the Christmas parties. <sighs> We've got winter pressures within the NHS and they've done the sensible thing of staying away. People have decided, hey, are you going to book, are you going to book teasers? Are you going to book teasers nightclub, are you, for a Christmas bash? No, no. HR says we don't want to put any more pressure on the NHS so there'll be no Christmas parties this year. Fucking hell. Dr. Sarah, may I just ask you though, it, what, what I find difficult about this is... Well, let's not hear him. That's Martin Lewis, the money guy. He was on Good Morning Britain this morning for some reason, I don't know. Anyway, that's about it for the programme today. It went by very quickly, at least it did for me. Big shout out to uh, the great Dr. Pat Morrissey from Adair in County Limerick. And just in case you came in late, you've got to hear this again. This is Kay Burley talking to a man who's on hunger strike outside the Foreign Office because his wife, Nazanin Zagari Ratcliffe, has been in jail for five years in Iran. This is Kay exiting the interview. I love it. He's not seen his wife for five and a half years. He's not seen his wife for five and a half years. Uh, now, a strange hook <laughs> in the Brexit agreement could ruin your entire holiday if you get your documentation oh, wrong when you travel to the EU. She's fan-dabby-dozy. She's fan-dabby-dozy. He's not seen his wife for five and a half years. Uh, now, a strange... Right, listen, tomorrow I'll be taking your calls on the phone-in show. I've got a lovely jingle for it. It's gorgeous. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Hey, thanks very much for being with me this Monday. Love you. Speak tomorrow at five. Look after yourselves and one another. Uh, from the BBG, it's au revoir. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye now. Leaving you with simple minds. Mm-hmm.